Welcome to the Crypto Business Podcast, helping you navigate the frontier of crypto. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Crypto Business Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for innovative thinkers who want to know what works in the world of Web3. Today, I'll be joined by Sandy Carter, and we're going to talk about the concept of digital identity and why it matters in the world of Web3. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show so you don't miss any of our future content. AI has been a massive disruptive force over the past year. That's why we're excited to announce our brand new show, Introducing AI Explored. It's a weekly show hosted by me, Michael Stelzner. If you want to understand how to put AI to work, this is the show for you. Each week, we'll dive deep into using AI to your advantage. We're talking the practical, tactical stuff that I know you're probably craving. Search for AI Explored on your favorite podcast app and happy listening. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Sandy Carter. Helping you to simplify your crypto journey. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Sandy Carter. If you don't know who Sandy is, she's a futurist and author of Extreme Innovation. She's the former VP at Amazon and senior vice president at Unstoppable Domain. Sandy, how are you doing today? I am doing fabulous. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's awesome to have you on the show. And today, what Sandy and I are going to talk about is digital identity in the world of Web3. Now, before we go there, Sandy, I would love to hear a little bit of your backstory. How'd you get into Web3? I knew you when you were in Web2 because you were one of our keynoters at Social Media Marketing World. But somewhere along the line, something happened and you were attracted into the world of Web3. So I would love to hear that story. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm so excited to be here. So let's see, the story really started about a year before I came to Unstoppable. I was at Amazon Web Services, a great company, by the way, great training, great everything. I was working with a lot of customers and partners, and so many of them had started checking out blockchain. So because I'm a tech geek, I started diving deep into, um, into the chain and watching you know, all these manufacturing companies, supply chain companies, banking companies all move over to the chain. And then I realized, wow, there's this whole other world called Web3 that's building on the blockchain. So I went down that rabbit hole. I got my own crypto wallet. I started diving into Web3. I got rugged. And I was like, wow, I really love this. I started doing all these side projects. And then one day, I was still working at Amazon, super happy. And Matt, who is the CEO of Unstoppable, said, I'm going to fly up and take you to dinner. Let's just chat, see how things go. And I was hooked. You know, he came out, he was just telling me about all the exciting, innovative things. And it's like, I want to be a part of that. And that's how I ended up into the Web3 world full time. So how long ago was that when you guys met? Oh, gosh, let's see. I started with Unstoppable in December. So it's probably about a year ago, maybe something like that. So along the way, as you took this job, you started doing all sorts of interesting things, including a lot of organization around women and the world of Web3. Tell us a little bit about that story as well, because I know that a lot of people are really excited about what you've been doing in this very male-dominated space. Yeah, well, it's interesting because only 8% of builders and creators in this space are women. And that's so far less than what's in Web 2. It was just shocking to me. 
And it really came home when I had accepted the role with Unstoppable and the New York Times was basically floored that I had left Amazon to go to the startup and they did an article on it. And we got 1,500 job applicants for Unstoppable. 2% were women. I had never seen that. Like at Amazon, 30 or 40% of our job applicants were women. So it just blew me away. So I started talking to a lot of great women saying, why aren't you applying for some of these really cool roles that are, you know, next generation tech? And they're like, we don't know what Web3 is. So if we don't know what Web3 is, we can't apply for the role, right? Women will look at a job applicant, make sure that they're 100% qualified. And so I started a group on March 8th, International Women's Day this year, that's focused on educating women on what is Web3, what is blockchain, what is the metaverse? We've trained over 40,000 people. We've got 120 companies, including all the who's who of Web3 that have joined us and some of the Web2 companies like Google Cloud that is now has a Web3 division. And Deloitte, Janet, she's chairman of the U.S. board for Deloitte running blockchain practices. So we've got some amazing companies, Altair, who've come over from the Web2 world that are just very interested in the space. So it's been really awesome. Again, if you're a company out there, you're listening in and you want to help us educate that next generation of women on Web3 and the metaverse, reach out to me for sure. I'm just curious along the lines of the people that are in the Web3 world, are you finding that it's a very international audience or is it dominated by the United States? And are also you finding that it's a younger audience or is it more of all sorts of different ages. I'm just curious from your perch, what you're seeing. It's definitely global. And I would say super strong outside the US. Asia, very strong. I mean, play to earn, learn to earn, all these kind of things have just originated and grown up out of Asia. The Middle East, really strong because of the government there who's so supportive of the entire area, building Web3 colleges, that sort of thing. Of course, the U.S., because U.S. is so innovative. So we're seeing it globally. Age, I mean, I would probably say that we're seeing like the next generation get into it. But, you know, from old to young, it really is a great equalizer because really everything that you're doing in Web3 is so brand new and you bring in people who are experienced in something and who you know understand the new world and bring them together and it's so powerful. So I don't know if I'm really seeing an age difference. Definitely, you know, a tech difference. A lot of techies coming into the Web three space. So back to your job at Unstoppable, what is your role there? Can you explain a little bit about what you were hired to do specifically in this job that you're doing right now? Unstoppable is a, a digital identity company. So we work on ownership of your digital identity throughout Web three. And so what my role is, is to build up the partner ecosystem around what we're working on with digital identity. So to integrate that login capability, that single sign-in capability across many, many different applications. We started with about 60 partners at the end of December. We're now up to over 300 partners. So it's just grown rapidly. The value prop is really strong. So what does my day look like? Well, I could start out with, you know, Ancient Warriors in the Morning, who is an NFT collection or, you know, Lazy Lions, and then go to a company like Blockchain.com, who's a partner, or OpenSea, you know, all the way to Deloitte, who's building practices, or today I was on with Accenture and IBM, believe it or not, as well. Everybody is so interested and fascinated in the space that my day varies so regularly. It, I have a great job, I have to tell you. Great team, super smart team for sure. 
So, okay, you went from a really big Web2 company, Amazon, right? Perhaps one of the biggest tech companies out there, maybe right up there with Apple. And you moved into this world of Web3. And there are a lot of people listening right now that are like very heavily into Web2, right? Like there's a lot of businesses of all sizes that are listening. Many of them were built on the back of Web2. And many of them are maybe not sure why Web3 is something they should pay attention to. It sounds like you're talking to some of these bigger businesses, trying to help them understand the opportunity. And also some of these new players, some of these small NFT projects that are bootstrapped, if you will, by individuals like Asher, the founder of Lazy Lions. So what is it, you know, businesses of all sizes and even aspirational entrepreneurs that are listening right now, why should they pay attention to this movement, this Web3 thing that everybody seems to be talking about? Well, Web3 is really the next generation of the internet. You know, if you think about it, I like to think in terms of pictures, that really helps me. So if I think about it, everything that's in the Web3 world is built on top of blockchain. I think blockchain is, you know, it has so many great attributes in terms of security and immutability and programmability. So I think that technology is so stable and strong today, needs to be more scalable, of course, but it's really got a strong backbone of which Web3 is built upon. I would even say a lot of Web2 companies, that's actually how I got interested in it. A lot of Web2 companies are also using blockchain today. And built on top of blockchain, that next layer of the cake, if you would, is Web3. And Web3 is all about ownership and decentralization. Ownership, though, instead of by governments and entities and companies, ownership by people of their data. And this is such an important topic today because we're all concerned about privacy. We're all watching all of these break-ins and hacks into our personal data, right? You can't go a single day without hearing someone else getting hacked. I think it's really important to think about Web3 because it brings back that data to you, the user. So as a person, uh, I think it's really important. And then as a company, you know, blockchain removes a lot of the middle person as you move forward. And so I think those two are really powerful technologies. And then on top of that sits the metaverse. And the metaverse brings in augmented reality and virtual reality on top of that. And so now you've got a 3D internet. And I just think that for experiences, what you can do to be more inclusive, that stack of blockchain, Web3, and the metaverse is probably the most exciting tech change that's going to occur in the internet in our lifetime. And so I think everybody should be a part of it. And right now we're seeing, you know, Web2 company after Web2 company after Web2 company come in. You know, we just heard about Starbucks and comics and music and art and, you know, big companies. Google just announced an entire division for Web3. So I think it's just such an exciting space. And it's one where the technology leads us to next. Very interesting. I don't think I heard about this Google announcement. So that's really cool. Yeah. When we were preparing for this interview, you you had this concept that you talked about as like a cake, a layered cake. And I think you kind of alluded to it a little bit, but the question is like, there's certain challenges that are faced in the world of web two that are solved by web three. And you kind of hinted at one of them, but let's talk about this cake layer thing that we talked about, because I think it's going to help people wrap their head around this a little bit more. Yeah. So the way that I, you know, I'm a visual learner. So the way that I visualize what we have going on is, you know, blockchain kind of as the foundational layer as you move forward. Blockchain is really crucial 
to looking at um, where the technology will go. So if you imagine at the base, there's blockchain and it is the foundation, the security, that trusted layer for everything else. Sitting on top of blockchain then is Web3. And Web3 brings the concept of decentralization. So not everything's centralized in one database and one location with one entity or one company. And then sitting on top of Web3, I actually put DAOs. And a DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization or DAO, DAO. And what does a DAO do? Well, a DAO actually helps to govern in a new way. It provides the ability to vote with digital assets, provides the ability for the community to speak, to have that voice heard. And then sitting on top of that is the metaverse. And the metaverse brings in a couple of new technologies, right? Like artificial intelligence. If you think about augmented reality and virtual reality, those all sit on top as well. And then if you think about that layer cake sitting in the center, then you've got a two-sided marketplace. On either side of that tech stack, you've got creators, which is one of the really cool things about this space. And unlike other tech plays, you don't see a role for artists and musicians and, and builders and creators. But here, you've got part of that two-sided market space, which is that creator economy. And then on the other side is that digital network, the consumers of that as well. And so that's how I like to visualize it. I think that it just helps me see, especially as people will come to me and they'll say, oh, so Web3 or Metaverse. I'm like, no, Web3 Metaverse. And then they'll say, oh, so it's Web3 versus crypto. No, crypto is a use case of blockchain. And so it really helps to frame it up and put everybody's, you know, the order in their head and also what's a use case, what's not a use case, how does everything fit together? So I want to echo back to what I'm hearing you say and then ask a clarifying question. So at the very base layer, we've got the blockchain, right? So for example, Ethereum, for example, or Bitcoin or whatever, right? And then we've got this next layer, which is Web3, and that's what brings this what you call decentralization. And Web3 is a phrase that a lot of people throw out there to kind of describe the next evolution of the web and all the different things that it'll, it'll bring with them. And by the way, for folks that are hearing, Sandy is near an airport. <laughs> and it's oh, totally- can you, can you hear the airplanes? Yeah, I'm so sorry. You know, it's totally cool. <laughs> there are no airplanes with this cake, but we're just going to acknowledge <laughs> them for the sound effect. Yeah. So, so we've got this Web3 layer. And then on top of that, we've got DAOs, Decentralized Autonomous Organizations. And what's great about DAOs is they allow anyone who owns a specific token or a NFT to vote, to- basically participate in a community ownership and many other things that are exciting that we've covered pretty extensively on this show. And then at the upper, upper level, we've got the metaverse, right? Which is uh, powered by augmented reality, virtual reality, mixed reality, artificial intelligence. And then you've got this two-sided marketplace. And the creator side, you talked about the artists and the musicians and the builders, but the digital side, the digital network, we barely scratched that side. What is that side of the marketplace? Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Yeah. So this is where a lot of the multi-sided consumption networks sit. So this is who consumes the music, who consumes the art, who really takes advantage of that. So if you think about it, you know, I was just with Ashante who has started her own company. She is a Grammy award winning artist and she just got full ownership of her 
Grammy album. And now what she's doing is she's taking that and turning her music into NFTs. Well, who is going to consume that? Well, there's a multi-sided digital network that will be consumers, right? Of those NFTs, if you would. You know, folks like Disney are looking into this. Like, how how are they going to take advantage of what's happening in the metaverse and with NFTs, looking at their franchise, right? So take Little Mermaid. How do you turn, you know, Little Mermaid into an NFT with music? And then who is the consumer of that? And so it's, I think it's quite fascinating to see how all of this is coming together and fitting together as we're moving forward. Do you see the, traditionally when the network is there, there's a middle company in the middle of it, like Google or Facebook slash Meta. Do you see in this new Web3 world, the elimination of the need for those middle entities or the lessening of requirements for these kinds of entities? Because is this more direct to consumer kind of thing? I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there for your thoughts on that. Yeah, completely. In fact, um, I'm working with a retailer and we were explaining how this works and they were walking me through how much money that they spend today. They're a retailer, so they buy data from Facebook and Google. And in fact, I just saw a number this weekend that said Google and Facebook, just those two alone, make $100 billion off of selling data from us to other companies. So they buy and they pay for data from Facebook and Google, and then they assume a fraudulent rate, usually 40%. So if they took that money that they would spend on Facebook or Google buying the data, and the fraudulent number, and instead they paid you, the consumer, they said instead of giving you a 20% off coupon, they could give you $1,500 off. Wow. And that to me is pretty powerful to see that price of the middle entity that's in there today, how expensive that is. And also, I mean, think about it, right? You've done your social media work with lots of marketeers. Imagine how the job of a marketeer now changes. Now you're not looking at targeted data. Now you're trying to figure out how to directly come to me, a consumer, and entice me to give you access to that data. And so it just changes the whole rewards-based marketing, how you do performance-based marketing, even how you do social media, who you're targeting. I think all goes up in the air and is totally different in this new world. Perfect. Well, that's a perfect transition into digital identity. Let's talk about, first of all, what is digital identity in the world of Web3 and why do we need it? Let me first start with where we are today with Web2. So your identity today varies by application. So you sign in, let's say you have, I don't know, Mike dot, you know, whatever that you use to sign into Google. And then you've got a different Mike to sign into Facebook or Instagram and then a different one. So you've got different identities based on application. And for the convenience of being able to sign into those applications, you give them data. They learn about you and they can then sell that data. So if you think about that world, Web3 flips that on its head. And it says, instead of having multiple identities, you're going to have one identity or maybe two if you want a personal and a business one. And that identity is going to be used to sign you into any application. Now, instead of the identity staying with an application, the identity travels with you. I like to say it travels with you through the metaverse because now you can use that identity to sign into a, let's say you could sign into a finance app like Cook Finance. You could use it to sign into a metaverse like Atlantis Metaverse. You could use it to sign into a game. 
The beauty of that is that now as you move through that data that's saved about you is yours. You decide who gets to see it, when they get to see it, how much they get to see. It's not under someone else's control. You now get to decide how that data is used. So why I think that's so important, there's value to you and to the company. So for example, I sign into Twitter. I've got, I don't know, 85,000 followers. Then I go sign into Discord for the first time. I've got no influence. I've got zero because none of that influence I had with Twitter or Instagram or TikTok comes with me. Why? Because my identity is tied to the application. So now imagine in a Web3 world where I could take all that social knowledge. And so then when I sign in for the first time to a decentralized social network, they're like, wow, you know, Sandy's got a million followers on LinkedIn and 85,000 on Twitter. And so she has influence. So let me give her influence right off the bat in my network. So that's powerful both for the application as well as for me as a user. And I think privacy, security, value all comes with me when I do that. This is really fascinating. I haven't really pondered this the way that you've explained this, but it's so true because the world of Web 2 you have to have all these different passwords stored in a secure place for every conceivable app you can or website you've ever logged into. And while it's true, there's Facebook login and there's Google login, you know, and there's Twitter login and there's all these other logins, you know, it just gets crazy. And the truth is, like you said, Google and Facebook and Twitter, they're in the business of selling your information, right? Like they want you to use their login so they can track your every move and they can sell that as to the highest bidders across the various marketing platforms that they sell. But what is unique about the world of Web3 is you connect your wallet, right? And your wallet has a number, which we're going to get into a little bit later, but it's uniquely you. And it's as if it does completely change things on their head because I love the idea. Like I've never heard anybody say, okay, well, you know, with your digital wallet, you can connect your various social profiles, even though I kind of knew I could do that. I've never done that. But the idea that that stays with you in the same way your bank card or your credit card or your American Express card is like the card that you use everywhere when you do business and or when you check into your hotel and they know all this information about you and therefore they can grant you exclusive privileges. I love this. And I think this is kind of a fascinating shift for so many people to think through it. And now I'm understanding the business model for the company that you're working with, right? Because this is really foundational that we're, we're talking about, right? This idea of your identity being tied to a single thing is kind of a big deal and completely shifts the paradigm for a lot of stuff, right? That's right. And I would also add, as you're looking at this, Michael, there is the ability for you then to see, here's all the information I have stored in my digital ID. So maybe it's my email. I don't know if you've ever done this, but sometimes I'm like, I really want to buy that t-shirt. Do I really want the thousand emails I'm going to get after I buy that (laughs) t-shirt or not, right? Because you know they're going to sell your data. You know you're going to get emails for a year. And was it worth it for the t-shirt? Maybe not. So you can decide there is a permission checklist. Do I want to share my email with Michael or do I not? Do I want to share my name? Do I want to share where I am, my location? And all those things I get to decide. They're not decided for me, which I think is very powerful, but also flips a lot of things on their heads as well as you think about it. So, you know, let's take another example. Let's take healthcare. I was just at NFT NYC 
And there was going on at the same time, a set of startups that are focused on healthcare. And they invited me to come over and I shared what we're doing and they shared what they were doing, which is really pretty cool. Most of them are putting healthcare data on an NFT, so on a digital asset. Now, why are they doing that? Well, they told me that 60% of misdiagnosis are due to the doctor not having the data that she needs. So maybe your general practitioner has one data, your dermatologist, your eye doctor, you know, everybody has different data. But if they could see everything together, then they can make a better diagnosis for you. And so a lot of these startups now are like, okay, when we get that record, can we store that healthcare record in my digital identity? Now, of course, I don't want to share my blood pressure with a retailer, or I don't want to share my weight with crypto business, but I would want to share that data with my doctor to maybe make a better diagnosis. And so you can see the power here of you having your own data. And some people are like, oh, you can do that today. But I just moved, Michael. I'm here in San Diego right now, just staying for a month. But I just recently moved and I try to get my records, my healthcare records. I had to call like seven different locations for my family, right? My daughters and myself. Some of them would not even send the data to me. They said I could only send my data to a healthcare professional. That's so ridiculous. Isn't that crazy? But it's true. I mean, literally, I was on the phone going, but it's about me. Oh, we can't give it to you. We have to give it to a doctor. You know, there are so many use cases that you can see here so easily. And the power and the value that you get back as a consumer now is is magical. And even, you know, I can't even imagine a doctor. I have a lot of friends. I have a girlfriend who is a heart surgeon. And she was telling me that a lot of times they'll do surgery and they'll start on the surgery and they'll discover while they're in there, oh my gosh, this person must be taking this drug and I didn't know it. And the patient didn't know to tell it and they didn't have the records. She was like, this is magical. I hope that you guys can start doing this really soon. And that's just one example. Well, it's fascinating. Part of me likes the idea of having a record out there permanently that I could access and maybe others could access with my permission and never having to worry about like, the papers get lost or someone accidentally misentering it into some database and the database gets updated and they lose my files. I mean, there's just a million different things, right? But in the case of healthcare, are we there yet today where we can decide to shield some information from the world? Because obviously one of the big advantages is, you know, the blockchain is this transparent and it's open, right? And you already kind of mentioned, you don't want necessarily the world to see your health data and I would imagine there's got to be a lot of laws also in America about who can and who cannot access these kinds of things. Do you feel like this is a use case that's developing or is already here? Or what's your thoughts on this from a privacy perspective? Yeah, you know, on the blockchain today, you can hide certain data that you don't want to share openly. So yeah, absolutely, you could block data. I mean, we're still in the early phases of Web3. I always like to say that we're in the dial-up phases. I know a bunch of people look at me and go, what do you mean dial-up? What's a dial-up? <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm dating myself. But I remember those days. <laughs> you remember those days, yeah. But we are in the very, very early phases. So we're not there yet to be able to store that record, but it's soon, like, Talking to these startups, I was like, this is coming. Like, this is going to happen. And it will happen probably in the next, I don't know, two to five years. I don't think we're there like right this second, but I think we're going to be there. And 
the interesting thing that I always look at is on any trend that's out there, I always try to look at where are the developers going, right? Because the developers are really the magic. They're the builders. And so I was looking at Web3 numbers and the number of Web3 developers increased by 61% in last quarter. That's crazy. And that's even during like the bear market. There are these amazing innovative builders that are coming over. So I just think that the pace of innovation is going to speed up because you got all these builders working on it and the cases are extremely valuable. Let's talk about education and let's also talk about retail examples of where this could potentially come into play if you know, you have some? Yeah. So we're working with a university right now, actually a couple of them around storing your education as an NFT and then having that be part of your digital identity. And how powerful is this, right? So your certifications, your diplomas are all right there. How many of us have applied for a new job and someone says, I need verification that you worked at X company, right? And you have to dial, I don't know, 17 different numbers and it might come through, it might not, but now you can, and and it's on the blockchain. So it's validated and trusted data. I'll give you another example. My daughter just took a computer animation class in a community college. She was very fascinated and she'd gone through all her classes at high school. So she took the class. And then, of course, being a good mom, I wanted to get the transcript so that when she goes to university, she gets credit. Oh, my gosh. I called the university. You won't believe this. And they said, could you please fax us your request? Fax? Yeah. Fax. Like who has fax machines anymore? (laughs) Fax. Yeah. So part of my challenge was where is there a fax machine? Like who has a fax machine anymore? So I had to fax it in and then they mailed it to me. Now, I don't mean emailed it to me. They mailed me her transcript paper. So anyway, I was so now I have to save this piece of paper for, I don't know how many years until she needs to use it. And imagine though, instead, if it was just stored on her digital identity. And then when she's ready to go to college, I just send it to the university and say, look, she took these credits at a community college. So please count those. There's just so much power in that. In fact, in my digital identity today, I just took an innovators class and the class that I took, they gave me an NFT to validate that I had taken that class, which I thought was really cool. Right. Well, and you know, I think about like you travel a lot. I travel a lot. You know how if you're TSA pre, you just put your driver's license in there and that's it. And they just Somehow, because it's your identity, they know that you had that ticket where in the olden days you would have to have a ticket or you'd have to show a little barcode thing on your phone. You don't even need to do that anymore. And I can imagine a day where your physical identity is tied to your virtual identity somehow, some way. And maybe we'll even get to the point where we just don't even have to check anything. We just walk through using near field kind of stuff and they'll know who we are and we'll just walk right through. I mean, And imagine also, I can also imagine in the world of retail, how this would make things really easy to return things, for example, because there might be an immutable record that you actually did purchase it in the first place, or you were given it, right? Because you know how you can transfer NFTs back and forth or whatever. So do you envision a day where physical merchandise will have an NFT somehow tied to it and somehow will be using that kind of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, it's funny. I was just working with Hunter. He's the CEO and founder of Relic Tickets. And they do NFTs as tickets. And, and he was telling me that, and I didn't know this. He said that 40% of people who say, I went to the Super Bowl or I went to that concert actually didn't go. Wow. Yeah. 
isn't that crazy? Like, why would you say you went if you didn't go? But people don't want to be left out. So he's using tickets to validate that people actually went to an event. So imagine, let's take crypto business. Let's say I've been there. I know you're going to have, you know, your conference coming up. Let's say I'd been there for five years in a row. That would be immutable. I would, you wouldn't have to trust me or keep records. That would be on my blockchain and my digital identity. And then you could give me, I don't know, an extra t-shirt or a hat or I don't know, something to say, you know, thank you for being here five years in a row. I think that retailers are going to have or could have a lot of fun with this. And one of my friends is a fashion designer. And one of the things that she's recently done is she's creating virtual earrings in the metaverse. But she's now connected that to the real world. So if and only if you bought a pair of her earrings in the metaverse, can you buy a pair of her earrings in real life? Fascinating. And it's pretty ingenious because, first of all, it's a great talk piece, right? When I go to a conference and I'm like, I bought these in the metaverse and they made them for real. Or here's my jacket. I bought this in the metaverse and she made it for real. But also the scarcity, right? Think about luxury goods today. And the prices that you charge because it has a brand on it. Well, now imagine that the brand is, it was in the metaverse and now it's also in real. I mean, there's just, I mean, if I'm a marketeer, I'm so excited because there are so many use cases here that I can just disrupt so many companies in the marketplace today. Okay. So for those that are listening, what do they need to know to get started with establishing their digital identity, setting up their digital identity, whether it's for their themselves or whether it's for their business? And even if it's possible for an entity like a business, where do we start? What do we need to, to know? Yeah. I mean, the first thing that I would do is I would go secure your digital identity. Unstoppable is one place you can do that. You can get, you know, sandy.crypto or sandy.nft in order to kind of start that digital identity, creating that identity. Today, you do have to have a crypto wallet. So you need to select a wallet that you'd link that to, to mint the domain. Now, what does minting the domain mean? It means that you're actually putting your ownership on the blockchain. So it just certifies that that is really your NFT. Um, Once you do that, there's a whole set of world that opens up for you that I always tell people to go and explore. So, for example, would you want to do an NFT for your next conference instead of doing a paper ticket or an event break as a way to kind of start experimenting with it? Would you want to maybe go and present in the metaverse instead of, you know, going all in in the metaverse? Maybe you set a seminar up and you go and you present in the metaverse. One of the things that we just did, I was talking earlier about Unstoppable Women of Web3, and we built a headquarters in the metaverse. And I learned so much from doing that. First of all, I know it sounds silly, but we put, you know, it's a headquarters. So we put doors and door handles and so people could get come into the metaverse. But what we learned is a lot of people with their avatar can't actually open the door. Oh, fascinating. So here we had this beautiful metaverse and nobody was coming inside. Because if you're new with your avatar, you couldn't figure out how to open the door. Another interesting thing is we put this beautiful fountain inside of our headquarters. And people were having to walk up the stairs to get to the second floor to look down on this beautiful fountain. But people couldn't couldn't figure out how to walk straight. So they were walking crooked and they'd fall into the fountain. (laughs) 
And then because it's real, then when you get out, you're like dripping. And even in the metaverse, you don't want to go around with dripping clothes. So they would leave. I've got to ask you, what platform are you building all this in? So we built this on Decentraland and Decentraland gave our Unstoppable Women of Web3 a support for women to experiment. They gave us the land for free. Well, that's really fascinating. So did you have to hire someone to help build this thing or was this, did you do this yourself? I mean, you know, we've talked about Decentraland. I've had uh, Kathy Hackle on and others talking about, you know, building in the metaverse. Was it complicated to build? I mean, clearly you've learned some lessons about how you need rails and you need doors to be open and all this kind of craziness, but how hard was it to actually build this quote unquote headquarter experience that people are wandering around in? So we had a vision in mind, but to build it, we did hire a design agency to help us to build it. The really cool thing is we found a female architect that we really loved. She designed a building for, I think it was Tom Ford. But the building could never be built because in real life, the structure couldn't support it. And so we um, we actually bought plans that were based off of that for our our structure in Decentraland. And it, it really wasn't that expensive, but we built it. We've learned along the way, like we feature, um, you know, our 100 most inspirational women of Web3 there. We have all of our 120 companies that support us there. So we've learned a lot, I have to tell you, by doing this. It's very well worth it, for sure. Just out of curiosity, if people want to experience that little experience you're talking about, how do they get there? Is there a way that they can easily get there? Yeah. So what I'll do is, I don't know if on your broadcast you can put... If you give me the link, we can put it in the show notes. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you the coordinates. And then if you have an avatar in Decentraland, you can just teleport there directly. That's probably the easiest way to get there. Yeah. And you can go play with it. It's really cool. So kind of stepping into the future a little bit, and we've talked so much of what we've talked about is in the future, but I want you to put on your imagination hat, if you will, and just imagine five to 10 years from now, where do you see all this stuff going? How do, I mean, you and I've been around before the internet was invented and now we're into this new era. Where do you envision this all heading? So I do think that we are headed to a world where we will be managing our own data, which I think, uh, you know, if you're a startup, there's a lot of opportunity there. Like, how do you manage your own data as a person? Is it an appliance? How do you protect that data? I think that we're in for the new 3D internet as well. And I think that that raises a lot of amazing opportunities, right? Like my daughter was just taking class and she was, her professor was telling her about Mars and she was doing a couple of lectures on it. She was calling me going, oh yeah, it's kind of interesting. But then her professor took her to Mars. Ah. So they went to the Mars verse and they were on Mars and they were walking around and the energy and the excitement and her learning levels just went up considerably because she was on Mars. So I think there's going to be a lot of experiences that we're going to see come to flourishing there. Again, I think in the future, we're going to have to figure out how to monitor that right balance. I was just at Metaverse Summit in Paris, and I met a more than a handful of chief Metaverse psychiatrists. Oh, wow. Yeah, because people are starting to spend too much time in the metaverse. Wow. And so, you know, we do have to protect, like, what's mental health and how do you manage that? It's going to open up a lot of doors, I think, that are going to be really fascinating as we move forward. But think about land. I think we're going to buy land and your deed will be an NFT, both virtual land as well as real land. You know, we talked about the tickets. We talked about how marketing is going to change. 
I think over the next two to five years, we're in, in for some really disruptive experiences across functional areas, across companies, and across how we see the world, how we visualize the world as well. Sandy, this has been absolutely fascinating. If people want to connect with you on the socials, do you have a favorite place? And if there's a website you want to send them to, where do you want to send them? I do a lot on Twitter because Twitter is the language of Web3 and it's Sandy underscore Carter on uh, Twitter. But you can also find me on LinkedIn. I do a lot of educational pieces for my Web2 buds out there. Our website at Unstoppable is unstoppabledomains.com. So not just Unstoppable, unstoppabledomains.com. And then you can go out there and check out your ability to get your identity as you move forward as well. Sandy Carter, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom with us. We're better because of it. Thank you so much for having me. And how awesome that you've moved into this space too, right? I mean, it is just a crazy world. It is absolutely a crazy world. And I do think that just like the world of social media, everybody thought it was crazy in the beginning. Remember, everybody's like, "What? Why would I use? Why would I use Twitter?" They just talk about what they had for lunch, right? And you know, eventually, this whole Web three thing is probably going to be so ubiquitous, we probably won't even call it Web three anymore. So I completely agree. I'm with you, and I thank you again for sharing your time with us today. Thanks, Sandy. Yeah, thank you, and thanks everybody for listening to. Reach out if you have any questions. If you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash C63. And if you're new to this show, be sure to follow us. And would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Crypto Business Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may Web3 continue to change your world. The Crypto Business Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. The information provided in the Crypto Business Podcast is provided solely for educational purposes. Do not treat what you hear as investment, trading, or financial advice. Do your own research. If you're like so many fellow marketers and creators and entrepreneurs, you're probably wondering, how do I put... AI to work. Well, be sure to listen to the AI Explored podcast, a new show from Social Media Examiner hosted by yours truly, Michael Stelzner. Again, check out the AI Explored podcast.